This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. How we doing? Hour number two of our radio program. That's right. It is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. I'm still stunned from last night's ending between the Denver Broncos and the Buffalo Bills. If you watch that game, it felt like Denver was going to win the game. And as the game is playing out, and even with the signs where it appears that Denver is the better team, at the end of the game... Sean Payton tried to basically eject himself right off the, the seesaw and the roller coaster ride and basically say, I want no part of this anymore and I don't want to win this football game. Because that play on the game winning field goal attempt, where there's 23, 24 seconds left, and you say to Russell Wilson, We don't got a timeout, <laughs> take a knee. And then have your field goal kicker run onto the field to attempt a game-winning field goal? You were asking for problems. And I said this earlier, I'll say it again. Everyone has that moment in sport where you go, no, 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 what are you doing? This is stupid. And then it's, yes, it actually worked. There were a lot of curse words. There were a lot of bad things being said about the Broncos head coach. Because the kicker misses the kick through all that just chaos and mayhem. He misses the kick and everyone's giving right, Sean, the, the, the double uh, middle fingers and everything. You're just crushing, absolutely crushing the coach because it was stupid. Everyone knew it was stupid. And he got bailed out. He got bailed out because another team head coach did not have his team ready. When you have 12 players on the field, It's just inexcusable. And we've seen it now both ways. Not enough guys on the field and too many guys on the field. If you go back to that Ohio State-Notre Dame game this year, Marcus Freeman didn't have enough guys on the field on the final play of the game. In this case, Sean McDermott had too many guys on the field. Would have been better for Sean McDermott if he only had 10 guys on the field. So when that kick misses... You think the Bills just survived, and it's one of those moments where the Broncos just snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, but they got bailed out. And the moment where you get bailed out, you move the the kick up a little bit better, but more importantly, you get to wait, you get your timing down, you get some patience, you don't make it a circus, you knew the second opportunity, Lutz was going to make the kick, and that's what happens. 
So from there, there's two takeaways. Takeaway number one, we've already did. That was it for Sean McDermott in Buffalo. You can get rid of Ken Dorsey today. You can maybe get on a little bit of a run, inspire hope. The Buffalo Bills need to get rid of Sean McDermott at the end of the season. McDermott took you so far. McDermott's been a really good coach. Didn't make the playoffs 18 consecutive years. He walks in with Terod Taylor, of all people. Remember that putrid football game? It was Jacksonville and Buffalo. Down in Jacksonville on Wild Card Weekend during his first season. Then they get Josh Allen. Then they made the right move, bringing in Stephon Diggs. And McDermott's time as the, as the head coach has led to five playoff trips in six years. Multiple AFC East championships. But ever since losing that game to Kansas City, not talking about the AFC Championship game, I'm talking about the divisional round, the famous one. Maybe one of the best football games you've ever seen in the divisional round. Looks like Kansas City's going to go down. Bills up with 13 seconds left. And Kansas City somehow gets into field goal range. And then they get the game winner in overtime with Travis Kelsey. Ever since that moment, we may not have known it then because we still went into the next season. Oh, the Bills are going to win the uh, Super Bowl. The Bills are going to be everybody's pick to go to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. Looking back on it, they were never able to recover from that moment. Because even at times during last year, the Bills looked legit. The Bills looked awesome. But then come playoff time, they were flat. And this year, you're seeing the signs that part of this regime needs to go and you need to really not do a hard reset, but reset some parts of the organization, some important parts of the organization to advance this thing forward and to get the Bills back on track. Because a lot of people today are going to get on the air and they're going to say, oh, the Bills are dead. Oh, the Bills don't have a window anymore. The Bills suck. The Bills are awful. The Bills are terrible. That's not true. The Bills could still win. The Bills could still be a good team, but we've seen them be a good team before. It's now capitalizing with the quarterback who has to cut down on the turnovers, but it's now capitalizing still having that quarterback. And you can't punt that once again with problems in that organization and allow McDermott, who's good, but clearly has reached his limit in Buffalo and allow him still to be the head coach. And let me be clear. I'm not advocating... That today you got to get rid of Sean McDermott today, like right now, this second. But you look around, it's starting to be the Will Smith kind of meme where he's standing around in the French, uh, Fresh uh, Prince of Bel Air house and it's just him with the carpeting in the big mansion and there's no people, there's no furniture, there's nothing. Because you had Leslie Frazier. Leslie Frazier's no longer there, the defensive coordinator. You took over the defense. Brian Dable departed because people wanted to be like Buffalo and the Giants wanted to copy Buffalo. So they get Joe Shane. They get Brian Dable. And the replacement, who was close with Josh Allen in Ken Dorsey, he's now gone today. And he's sent packing because the offense isn't good enough. So the defense is not good enough. That's all McDermott. The offense isn't good enough. McDermott, even though he's not an offensive guy, he's in charge of the coaching staff. And this team, ever since losing Brian Dayball, has gone the wrong way. How many more excuses does Sean McDermott get? To me, zero. No more. You don't get this right. You don't find a way to turn this around from now until the end of the season. You miss the playoffs. You make the playoffs. You have an embarrassing performance. There should be no way 
if the Bills are serious about winning, why Sean McDermott would be back next year. And that's why I opened up the show saying it should be Jim Harbaugh as the next head coach. You need a guy that's been accomplished in this league, has been successful in this league, and in four years in San Francisco, Jim Harbaugh, three NFC title games, and also got to a Super Bowl appearance. So let's set aside the Bills part. Now going to the Broncos part. It's kind of funny when a conversation derives for the majority of the season. And for most of this season, the conversation around Russell Wilson was that him and Sean Payton don't have a good relationship. And at the end of the year, there's going to be a split. There's going to be a divorce. That was one conversation. The other conversation was Kyler Murray with the Cardinals. Oh, coming off the ACL, who knows if he's going to play. The Cardinals will easily be picking top three in the draft. And yeah, they'll go draft the quarterback and move on from Kyler Murray. It is funny to me. After nine or ten weeks of that conversation, as we just wrapped up week ten of the NFL football season, that you have a Broncos victory where Russell Wilson plays well. You have a Kyler Murray return with the Cardinals where they beat the Falcons. That now, this week, we're going to be spending time. Yesterday, we did this with Kyler Murray. Today, we're going to do this with Russell Wilson. Where the opinions have now changed. The opinions have now shifted. Where 9, 10, those last uh, 9, 10 weeks, it was, Russ is gone in Denver. Russ is screwed in Denver. The only thing that's going to keep him there is his contract. And with Kyler Murray, most of the conversation was, he's getting traded. He looked good in Minnesota. He looked good in Atlanta. Would they trade him inside division to Seattle? Like, those are the conversations we've had. Those are conversations I've had and thoughts that I've had. But Russell Wilson now, if you have to evaluate the entire body of work, and we know this Broncos team still has a long ways to go, and there's been some good, there's been some bad, but the facts are statistically, even though Bill Belichick will say, stats are for losers. You do have Russell Wilson throwing for 1,806 yards right now. And that's not like the greatest thing in the world. But he's completing nearly 68% of his passes. That's pretty damn good. And also, with Russell Wilson, it's 18 touchdowns to four interceptions. That's pretty damn good. And he's been hit. Like, they got to beef up that offensive line. He's been sacked 30 times this year. And he got sacked quite a bit last night. But Russell Wilson is going to walk away from this season even if you don't think he's great, and I don't think he's great right now, and he's great in the first half, the second half he could be better, but you know he did his job last night. You're going to walk away at the end of the season saying, hmm, Russell Wilson doesn't need to be traded. And if that's the conversation with the team that has a lot of holes, their, their offensive line's not good. Defensively, that, de- that defense, they need more talent, even though we went into that year praising the secondary, but they could get better up front. Like, there's a lot of holes here with the Broncos. We know the coach, even though he put his foot in his mouth to start the year going after Nathaniel Hackett, and actually maybe the best thing to happen to Nathaniel Hackett, because Nathaniel Hackett became a victim. Nathaniel Hackett became someone that people felt sorry for. And notice now, when they look at the putrid state of the Jets, no one's crushing Nathaniel Hackett. It's all Zach Wilson. So I think people have let Nathaniel Hackett off the hook. So maybe you should be thanking Sean Payton, even though Sean did something very stupid and said something stupid that was unnecessary before the start of the season. But when you look at financials, 
and I know sometimes people will say, oh, financials don't matter. In the NFL, to some extent, they do because of the dead cap. And even though you could have all these stack geeks tell me how it's easy to get out of the contract, blah, 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 with how much money and how many draft picks they just invested in Russell Wilson, I got to think with the season that he's having this year, at the end of the year when they do their evaluations, when Sean and the GM talk, and when they talk with ownership, and when they look at what Russell Wilson did, they're going to say, we're content giving him another season. We're curious what he could do from here on out. And Russell has a long ways to go. You know, if we go through right now who the top 10 quarterbacks in the league, I don't think Russell Wilson's a top 10 quarterback. He's just on the outside of it. But he is starting to salvage his time in Denver, where last year it was a disaster. Last year, he was the punchline to every joke. I'm not telling you this is going to work. I'm not telling you that you're going to be doing somersault in the streets for the next few years if you're a Broncos fan. But with Russell Wilson right now, I don't think they're going to divorce barring just an epic, and I mean epic failure down the stretch. And I'm not saying this team's a playoff team. I don't think that for a second. But his stats are going to be good enough where you're going to say, all right, our draft pick isn't top five. So are we just going to get rid of a guy and have no plan? Because that's the part that doesn't make sense. You can't get rid of Russell Wilson without having a plan. Because not that it's got this bad for the Broncos in terms of the individual quarterback play, and Russ has not been good. But look at what the Raiders did. The Raiders got rid of Derek Carr. They had no plan. They were like, oh, we'll hope to get that Brady guy. Oh, Brady retires? I thought Josh McDaniels was like best friends with him. Oh, it didn't work out with Aaron Rodgers. We didn't really pursue that. Oh, we'll give three years to Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, that's going to work. Now Jimmy Garoppolo, as Stu is uh, catching some strays here, and I apologize about that, Stu. Now Jimmy Garoppolo's bench for Aiden Bleepin' O'Connell. So don't just get rid of the quarterback just for the sake of getting rid of the quarterback. Get rid of the quarterback if there's a need to get rid of the quarterback. And if you do get rid of the quarterback, you better have a plan. And I don't see the name out there that's going to be good enough or the move that you can make in the draft where the Broncos are going to be now sitting at four and five, where I go, aha, I got to get rid of Russell Wilson. And I do believe Russ will get another season. And next year may be his last, but he will get another season with the Denver Broncos. So the Broncos now four and five, winners of three in a row, taking down Green Bay, Kansas City, and the Buffalo Bills. They're scheduled the rest of the way. They play Minnesota. If you would have told me two, three weeks ago we were getting Broncos, Minnesota on Sunday Night Football, I would say, Flex, get rid of that. That's Sunday Night Football game this week. I'm curious about Josh Dobbs. I like the story of the Minnesota Vikings. And now Russ and Sean have been like, uh, okay, you know, maybe I want to see a little bit more of that team. Then after that, you get the Broncos and Browns. Broncos at Texans. Three good games coming up. Broncos at the Chargers, Broncos at the Lions, Broncos, Pats, Broncos, Chargers, and then they wrap up the season in Las Vegas up against the Raiders. So you got some good opponents coming up. And we'll see how far the Broncos could take it. I don't think this team is making the playoffs. No shot, in my opinion. But when you have the coach and the quarterback and what they've done in this league before, they'll be able to beat some teams that they're not expected to beat. As you've seen the last two weeks with Kansas City, And then also their performance up against the Buffalo Bills. 
Russ will be back next year, and I never thought I would say that at any point this season. But that's where we are. And it's the same thing with Kyler Murray. Writing was on the wall. This was it for Kyler in Arizona. Now, coming off both of their Week 10 performances, the return of Kyler and Russ starting to steer the ship back in the right direction and having good stats, it's like, okay. I think both those teams are going to give those guys another opportunity. It is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Are you there with me that Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson will both be back next year with the Arizona Cardinals and the Denver Broncos, respectively? 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. We'll take a break. When we come on back, we'll update you on some of the biggest stories in the world of sports with some audio with the News Brief. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Time for your daily news brief. We get you caught up on the rumors, reports, and reconnaissance from the day in sports. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Maybe get him back Aaron Rodgers? Maybe, maybe not. Here is the Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers on a potential return date via the Pat McAfee show. No, there's no set date. I mean, it could it could change. If I have a great week, uh, you know, this week and next week, that could be accelerated. If we are not in it in three or four weeks, that could, you know, that could uh, take it a different way. But I expect us to be in it, and I expect to come back. So that's about all I can tell you at this point. Aaron Rodgers is a bad man. Here's why. He's continuing maybe the biggest hogwash of a story and a name story I've ever followed. You know, outside of the whole Manti Teo and the girlfriend that never existed kind of story. I'm just talking about an agenda a player is pushing, trying to make people believe it so his name stays in the news. That's what's going on here. I don't care what Aaron Rodgers thinks, what ayahuasca he does, what darkness retreat he goes on. There is no way, outside of pure stupidity, that Aaron Rodgers returns to play for this team this year or is even cleared to play. Talking about, oh, if I have a good week and then another good week, uh, then maybe the, the timeline gets accelerated. You know, maybe I'll play, maybe I won't. You know, we got to have something to play for. Oh, but I fully expect to be back this year and I fully expect us to be in it. Not that the Buffalo Bills are world beaters. I've clearly torched them today. You play Buffalo next week, you already beat them earlier in the season. You're not going to beat them twice. Then you play Miami. There is a good chance 
right after the lasagna is served or your turkey served on Thanksgiving and you watch that game on that Friday, that the New York Jets are 4-7 and seven after these next two games. There's a good chance of that. So I think they're going to be out of it real soon. The last little hope that this team had was up against the Raiders. And if you can't beat the Raiders, then you got some problems. And you got some explaining to do. But also, for Aaron Rodgers, if you're playing, you're probably not going to be fully healthy, I would imagine. With how fresh of an injury this is, an Achilles tear, going back to week one. So, you're going to get on the field behind a garbage offensive line when everything is setting up for next year for you to be the guy and potentially risk either further injury here or a new injury. This would be the dumbest thing in America. This would be the dumbest thing maybe in the history of sports in like the last two, three weeks of the season Aaron Rodgers comes back. For what? What are you accomplishing this year? Nothing. So I get it. He gives himself the out of, oh, oh we got to be in it. Oh, you know, I got to be healthy. But the fact that this is a story week in and week out, it's a joke. And I blame all of us because we're all stupid suckers at the end of the day. That's what we are. Aaron Rodgers defends Nathaniel Hackett, his buddy Nate Hackett on the Pat McAfee show. Hackett's taking it hard on the shins. You, you hear that? You see that noise or no? Yeah, yeah, I see it. I, I won MVP twice in the same offense, so <laughs> I'm, 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 a, I'm a believer in this. I'm a believer in the offense, and there's a lot of a lot of positions you gotta you gotta play better. I don't know about you guys, Stu. Maybe I'm lost on this one. Have you heard a lot of people going after Nathaniel Hackett? I, I think it's more so Zach Wilson stinks. I'm not saying he's getting no blame, but I think most of the blame's getting put on this line being horrible and Zach Wilson being an inept quarterback in this league. I don't think, I'm not saying that there's no one saying anything about Nathaniel Hackett, but if I had to give Jets fans the three biggest reasons right now why this team isn't performing outside of Rodgers being injured, it would be Zach Wilson one, the offensive line two, and then I think the third one, oh yeah, and the offensive coordinator is no good in Nathaniel Hackett. I think part of the reasoning for the question was there was a meme or there was a video going around where Hackett called a questionable play on third and short that the Jets didn't get and the cameras panned then to Aaron Rodgers right after the call yeah. shaking his head in disgust and people you know seemed like he maybe like disagreed with the play call yeah so yeah, maybe I, there was like that. this drama where Rodgers was almost doubting Hackett I think this was McAfee's way you know to kiss up to his friend while also asking a question about Hackett getting some negativity around the two but I think it kind of stemmed off of that okay I I think for the most part, Hackett's received a pass this year. And what I would say to Aaron is, outside of you being with Nathaniel Hackett, what great success does he have in this league? Now, I'll give him credit. In Jacksonville, did a good job with Blake Bortles. But what recent successes he's had without Aaron Rodgers? Because this year, the offense is crap. When you have other offensive coordinators making Josh Dobbs look good, and you look around last year, biggest joke of a head coach that we've seen well, maybe not in for maybe not in ever because also you had uh, Urban Meyer, but he was a big time joke of a coach. So let's uh, pump the brakes here on the slobber fest between Nathaniel Hackett and, and Aaron Rodgers. Makes me sick. Let's go to Dan Campbell and going for it on fourth down, fourth and two. 
Could have taken the field goal, left some time on the clock. This is via our friend Stoney and Jansen on 97 won the ticket in Detroit. I had a feeling going into that game we needed to be aggressive. And uh, and I loved our matchup offensively, and I just knew our guys would respond. And um, here's what I would say, for because I tell my family this, just wear a diaper before some of these games. And I'll give them an alert. Say, put them on and be ready to roll. Can we adopt the Lions on this show? Can we adopt the Lions, Stu? You're, you really have the say here. Because Samter's real football team, the Jets, I know he's now a Chiefs fan, but his real football team, the Jets, where his actual heart is at, they stink. My football team has the fewest wins in the AFC, the New England Patriots. And somehow, between all of us losers, the biggest winner out of all of us losers are Stu. <laughs> with the new, with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Go figure. Can we adopt the Lions as a show? I think so. I think the Lions are very lovable, like especially the fact they haven't been very good up until the last couple of years, and now you know Campbell's great. Goff, it's just it's a really good story. It's hard unless you're like a Vikings, Bears, or Packers mm-hmm. fan. I think it's hard to dislike the Lions. So I think we could do that. Now, as a show, if we were going to show our support to the Lions, and we would all wear diapers maybe later in the week. Can we wear, like, sweatpants underneath the diapers? Or do we have to, like, clearly show the diaper is on, the like, the body part directly? And you've got to walk around with uh, our legs out and everything like that. I'm just wondering. I think we'd be doing everyone a favor if we had sweatpants uh, under the diapers. I don't know if they make a diaper my size. So uh. that could be tough. I may need to get a custom diaper. But I would contemplate wearing a diaper to show support for Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. I got some diapers at home. They might not fit you. They might like fit over your elbow. <laughs> yeah, you're you're a beautiful baby uh, girl. What was she born at? Let me can I guess? 7 pounds 2 ounces? Not even close, but nice Six? Try. No. She was, a, she was a small little nugget, but she's got very cute diapers. And they have, like, little bears on them. Some of them are Disney. Some lions? Like some, yeah, like some Lion King diapers for you. I think that'd be really cute for I you. don't think your daughter's diaper would fit around my big toe, if we're being honest here. Act just walked into the studio, and he walked right out with that line. <laughs> Act walks right in the studio. I said, your daughter's diaper wouldn't fit around my big toe. Act goes, what the heck are we talking about? And he walked right out. Typical Act right there. Here is uh, Sean McVay. Will Matthew Stafford play and return for the Rams this week? No, Matthew should be ready to go. He was out there taking part in individual today. He's making great progress. And so uh, we're operating with the anticipation and expectation that he is going to be uh, good to go. Uh, he'll be pushing through, but but uh, we expect him to be, uh, to be able to start and play and, and do his thing and lead the way this week. So here's my question. This late into the season, if your anticipation is that Matthew Stafford's going to be coming back, Why'd you bring in Carson Wentz? Now, Wentz would take any opportunity, and maybe he thinks he'll get in at the end of the season. They could shut down Stafford, or they weren't anticipating Stafford to come back. I thought the Wentz move was very unnecessary, and when they brought him Wentz, it made me think that Stafford was going to be out even longer, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Here is Matthew Stafford and how much longer he would like to play, this courtesy of the Pat McAfee Show. I don't know. I don't think I'll go until the wheels completely fall off. They're uh, they're wobbling a little bit right now as we speak, but uh, 
No, I, uh, I love playing this game. I love competing. Um, I love being in the locker room with the guys. Uh, I'll never get that again, so I want to make sure I get as many opportunities to do that as I can. But uh, I, I enjoy playing too much to, to hang it up. So Les Snead once said, bleep those draft picks. And since you didn't have those draft picks, yes, you won. You went all in. You got a Super Bowl, so it's worth it. But this entire organization is now falling off because you didn't have the draft picks to kind of get younger and continue this thing. And here's my great concern with the Rams. They have too many guys that are one foot in, one foot out. Stafford, oh, you know, the wheels are starting to wobble. McVay, oh, maybe I'll do TV. Then I'm going to sign a new contract. Then, oh, maybe I'll do TV. Aaron Donald for two years. Yeah, I'm thinking about retiring. I'm thinking about retiring. Now the guy isn't even thinking about retiring. The big three of that organization, two in and out for me to believe that they're going to find a way to get it right again with the LA Rams. Here is Patrick Mahomes on the Manning cast last night on player jersey numbers. Listen up. It's even crazier now because everybody can wear the, the single digits. And, like, the linebackers right. are, are nickels now and, and vice versa, safeties. And so you have to go in. We actually go in every week and we really emphasize the numbers because, I mean, whenever you got a number that, uh, like, number seven playing middle linebacker, that can really mess with your tails for the O-linemen. So it's, it's I mean, it's cool. It looks cool. I'll give everybody that. But it, it makes it a little difficult for the QB. Yeah, I really don't like the defensive players. Now wearing like what you would usually think are, are numbers for for running backs or even running backs wearing single digits as well. I, I don't like that. I saw the number. I don't know which player it was last night. And I don't remember which team it was. It may be the ugliest jersey number I've ever seen. Just zero on a football uniform? Like I remember Tony Clark used to wear zero when he was playing for the Mets. In a baseball uniform, it's fine. But on a football uniform, I don't think the number zero looks good. What's your least favorite jersey number, by the way? What's the ugliest jersey number in sports right now? I think zero looks really bad. Double zero is very weird, too. And 99. I know Wayne Gretzky oh, was... Oh, I love 99. Wayne Gretzky was 99. Yeah, yeah. Wayne Gretzky was 99, so that's what I think of. And, you know, like a big defensive tackle or something. Yeah. Where he, something about 99 doesn't work for me, but double zero is like the one that really gets me. You know what doesn't look good when I was at the Jet game last week? I saw a large fella in the number one Sauce Gardner jersey. If you're a big guy, not a good look to wear the number one. It's slimming. No, it's not. That that number <laughs> one was begging to escape from being on that jersey uniform with the guy that was sitting in front of me during that jersey. We all game. know what the greatest jersey number in the history of jersey numbers is. It doesn't matter what sport it is. What, what is that number? It's number 21. 21 is the greatest, coolest-looking jersey number in all of sports. In any sport, doesn't matter what position. Roberto Clemente. Sammy Sosa. Tiki LT. Barber. Yeah. Oh, Danny Tomlinson. Look at Samter. Smoochy, smoochy. Well, Tiki, did you hear me? Down the hall, did you hear Samter just said he loves number 21? My favorite two baseball players of all time, Sammy Sosa and Roberto Clemente, well before I even met Tiki. <laughs> and I was a, giant, uh, a Jets fan back in the day. So. Tiki, can you pat me on the head? Can you rub my stomach and give me a treat? Give me a break. Jeez. Mike Tomlin, does he need to see more from Kenny Pickett? Certainly. Man, we're going to need more, particularly as this road uh, narrows. But guys like Kenny and myself, man, we're measured by wins and losses. Uh, he and I talk about that often and, and, and openly. We know what our jobs are. Our jobs are to win. That's where our focus is. I love the fact that he, he, he embraces that. Uh, down in and down out are some are there some things to work on, certainly. Um, but uh, we've been working on those things, and we will continue until we get the desired result. It is amazing that in the year of 2023, the Steelers are 6-3 and three, with the quarterback 
that has X amount of touchdowns. Go around the room real quickly. I don't know if any of you guys know this off the top of your head. How many touchdowns do you think Kenny Pickett has on the season? Stu, quick guess, go. Uh, I'll go eight. Samter? Eight sounds about right. Let's go nine. Let's go uh, Price is Right rules, nine. You'd both be off the show. He only has six touchdowns, passing Whoa. touchdowns. Yeah, if you go season. over, you're, you're out. You're done. And in one of those games, he had two passing touchdowns. One touchdown against the 49ers, one against the Browns, only passing touchdowns, two against the Raiders, of course. <laughs> Sorry, Stu. One against the Ravens and one up against Tennessee. Woof. All right, I'm going to guess Bill Belichick here. He was asked if Mac Jones is still his number one quarterback. I'm going to evaluate this, uh, you know, week of practice, and uh, we'll do what's in the uh, best interest of the team. Uh, but Mac's a hard worker, and, uh, you know, uh, got a lot of hard workers on this team. Let's hear from Bill Belichick. Yeah, we got a lot of things to work on this week as a team, and we'll work through those. So <laughs> that's, that's what we're going to do this week. Ah, I hear that. And you bench. See, here's the thing. You bench the quarterback. And the Patriots are going to buy this week. And then they uh, they play the Giants coming off the buy. You bench the quarterback. In the On the final drive, even going into a bye week, I don't think he's starting next week. I, I really don't think he's starting up against the Giants. And finally, here is Jim Harbaugh talking about chickens. The respect that I have for chickens. I know there was there was a time when I said that chicken is a nervous bird. And I don't eat chicken. I only eat meat, you know. But uh, I was dead wrong. I, I stand corrected. Uh, these chickens are low maintenance and high production. So he owns chickens now, Jim Harbaugh? That's what I gather from that? And now he's praising chickens? What the heck is going on out there? Did the chicken, was was that chicken on Connor Stallion's uh, payroll? Did he go to like Wisconsin and film the signs? That's just something I'm wondering there. That's bizarre. Some really bizarre sound, but that's Jim Harbaugh. And a guy that likes chickens, probably liked enough in Buffalo. Chicken wings, see the signs there, folks? Jim Harbaugh, next head coach of the Buffalo Bills. It is Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. We'll come on back. You got to hear what Trayvon Diggs had to say, and why I think it's an absolute joke that he's even commenting on this. But first up with the latest CBS Sports Radio update, here he is, the Ackman, Rich Ackerman. This portion of the show is brought to you by Wesley Financial. Stuck in a timeshare and want out? Contact Wesley Financial Group now and get a free timeshare exit information kit at wesleyfinancialgroup.com. You know, it's very funny. Social media reaction a few weeks ago when Emmett Smith joined us and said that as we just played it on the rejoin, that was actually met with a very positive response from Cowboys fans. Then today, I see Dominique Foxworth from ESPN. He goes on uh, Get Up, I think it was, and he's saying that Dak Prescott is the best quarterback in football right now. If you just go by the numbers, he's playing like he's the best quarterback in football. <laughs> so I hear that. And I go, I don't even think he's the best quarterback in the state of Texas. Because right now, C.J. Stroud, if you ask me which quarterback would I rather have for the rest of the season, I'd rather have C.J. Stroud than Dak Prescott if all things are equal. So today, I've spent most of my day going to war 
with uh, cockroach cowboy fans, those drama Dallas choking cowboys, because they're throwing a big-time parade and a big-time celebration because the Dallas Cowboys beat Tommy DeVito and the Giants. And anyone that has got back to me about the Cowboys and my take on C.J. Stroud being a better quarterback than Dak Prescott, they go, oh, well, just a few weeks ago, C.J. Stroud, he lost to the Carolina Panthers. And I said, well, didn't Dak Prescott throw an interception against the Arizona Cardinals? And all I'm saying about the Cowboys is it's amazing to me how dumb some of their fans could be. It really is. Your team the last two years, let's just look at this at a small scale, small sample size. The last two years, they've been a great regular season team. How many Cowboys fans, and it shows you how far this organization has fallen, how many Cowboys fans want to take a victory lap because Dak Prescott played well against a below 500 Buccaneers team on wild card weekend on that Monday night? It's a flat-out joke. You would think they won the Super Bowl with the way that that fan base is talking about that performance. Dak Prescott in the big games does not show up. And if he plays well in one good playoff game, he never repeats it the following week. Go look at the last two years. Couldn't get the ball snapped against the 49ers. Last year, plays well up against Tampa Bay. And then, up against the 49ers, where his defense had a championship effort, he crapped the bed. So all you Cowboys fans that are falling for the bait once again, because you have these blowout victories and Dax put it up big numbers, who have you defeated? And I get it. We all love an easy, stress-free victory. There's nothing better when you go up against an inferior opponent and you know at halftime the game is over. But go through the Cowboys' schedule. The Cowboys beat the Giants 40 to nothing. They stink. They beat the Jets 30 to 10. The Jets are a bunch of frauds. They lost to the Cardinals. They're no good. They beat the Patriots. Oh, let me give you a slow clap there. You beat the Patriots 38 to 3. You got smacked by an actual legit opponent in the 49ers 42 to 10. You beat the Chargers, who the Chargers are the lesser version of the Cowboys, where they have all this talent and they never win. So congrats. You beat Brandon Staley by three. You beat the Rams. They stink. You lost to the Eagles, where your quarterback choked at the end of the game. And then you beat the Giants 49 to 17. This is not a small sample size. Nine games into the season, and there's not a win on the schedule where I go, wow, I got to look at the Dallas Cowboys and say, hmm, maybe this is going to be their year. The Cowboys' ceiling is going to be getting to the divisional round of the playoffs. They will not be in the NFC title game this year. They will not win multiple playoff games this year. But it's amazing how when that's said, and I don't think it's the majority of the Cowboy fan base, but you have a loud, and I mean a really loud, vocal minority. It's just ridiculous. The Cowboys go get 11, 12 wins. We've seen the same song and dance the last two years. But when push comes to shove, they will not be good enough. Now, getting to Trayvon Diggs, the brother of uh, Stephon Diggs, it's amazing to me that he's popping off in the last 24 hours. And I think this is calculated. Stephon Diggs tries to say, oh, I want to be in Buffalo the rest of my career. I love the Buffalo Bills. What happened uh, in the offseason was no big deal. Nothing to see here. That's a bunch of baloney. It is. And Trayvon Diggs knows the truth. Or he knows Stephon Diggs' side of it. So Trayvon Diggs last night tweets out, after another loss by the Buffalo Bills, 
Man, 14 got to get up out of there. And then today, follows it up with saying, let's not forget he didn't start going off till bro got there. Let's just be clear about Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs didn't start going off until he got to Buffalo. Josh Allen didn't start going off until he got Stephon Diggs. When Stephon Diggs got traded to the Buffalo Bills from Minnesota, he was a good wide receiver. But he was not perceived to be a top five receiver in this league. He had some good moments. Don't get me wrong. He's a damn good player. But we didn't know he was a great player. And he went to Buffalo, and to his credit, he became great. And he helped Josh Allen. But I also think Josh Allen helped Stephon Diggs as well. But it's funny, considering the source here with Trayvon Diggs, that it's, oh, my brother has to leave Buffalo. And let's trash the quarterback and say, let's not forget, he didn't start going off till my brother got there. Trayvon Diggs, like, can you focus on your own team? Because the last time I checked, the Buffalo Bills have accomplished more recently than the Dallas Cowboys. We've seen the Buffalo Bills get to an AFC championship game. Something the Dallas Cowboys haven't done since the 1995 season. So I don't want to hear this nonsense that Stephon Diggs has to get on out of Buffalo. And if you're advocating for you guys to team up, which would be a nice family affair in Dallas, why the heck are the Cowboys this great destination? You guys are very similar to Buffalo Bills. You're both good teams, you're not great teams, and you're not going to win Jack. So let's stop with this nonsense from Trayvon Diggs where he's trying to make a push to get his brother out of Buffalo. How about your brother be a better teammate? And how about they find a way to figure it out, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs? But this is just nonsense. It really is. And it's laughable to me that it's coming from Trayvon Diggs because it means two things. One, it confirms what Stephon Diggs said was no longer an issue, that 14 isn't happy, and he doesn't like this Buffalo Bills organization. And then two, it once again shows how delusional the Cowboys are where one of their players, who I know is hurt right now and is out for the year, and I, I wish a speedy recovery to Trayvon Diggs, but he's tweeting... His brother's got to get on out of there. And I know he said before how much he would love to be on the same team as his brother. Like, that's a fine thought. But why the heck should Stephon Diggs, if he wants out of Buffalo, go to Dallas? Outside of the family connection. Isn't it a similar spot? Where both of those teams could be good, but they're not great? So I don't really like this stuff coming from Trayvon Diggs. And quite frankly, the Cowboys do a lot of talking this year. They do a lot of talking for a team that's 6-3. and three, and they've beaten every opponent that sucks. But when they go up against good teams, the Eagles and the 49ers lose, lose. So I did not like the tweets last night, especially his last two. Man, 14 got to get up out of there. And let's not forget, he didn't start going off till bro got there. And I don't know if Stephon Diggs has commented on this. I haven't seen anything. But if your brother's trashing your quarterback, I know he's your brother. But if what your brother was saying you disagreed with, wouldn't you publicly say that today? Because I don't know about you. If my family was doing this, I'd reach out to them and say, stop, that's not right. If you felt that way. But I don't know if Stefan Diggs feels that way. And I think what his brother's saying, he actually agrees with it. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.